0: Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 188, Apple closed its M&A wallet. Hi, I'm Neil. It's been a busy month since we last talked with each other back in October. Two quick announcements. The first one is about this podcast. This episode represents the start of season eight. If we look back at season seven, there were 12 episodes. A few of them really jumped out at me. Episode 176, The Mac Earned a diploma. So we talked about what Apple was doing with the Mac. Needless to say, there's quite a bit. Episode 179, winning the buyback debate. Longtime listeners know I am very intrigued with Apple's stock buyback program. There's just so much going on, and it's a great debate if you're into finance, corporate finance, Wall Street, any of those topics. Episode 180, 100 million risks. So according to my estimate, 100 million people, now we're in Apple Watch. That episode was about that. We talked about Apple retail, a topic that is very important to the Apple story, but I don't think it gets as much attention as it deserves. And then most recently, episode 185, a Memoji bridge to mixed reality. I have a feeling in the coming two to three years, we're going to be talking more about mixed reality, AR, it's not quite time just yet, but I think it's going to be. And in today's episode, what we're going to talk about is Apple mergers and acquisitions, M&A. We'll get to that very shortly. The other announcement I have to make is a personal one. And a since last episode was recorded, my wife and I welcomed our third child into the world, Rosalie. So this is my first girl. Uh, so it's been a very busy month. Crazy, hectic, but enjoyable. It's been a blast. Her two big brothers are having a great time as well with her. I did mention Rosalie over on Twitter and in the daily updates last month, so I know some of you did send messages over. My wife and I, thank you for those kind words. With that, let's jump into today's discussion. We are going to talk about Apple mergers and acquisitions, shortened to M and A. And the reason why I make a big deal about that is last year, I think it was last year, I recorded a video with Renee Ritchie over on his YouTube channel. And I think I just started saying Apple MA. And I just kept saying it. And in the comments, there were a number of people who didn't know what I was saying. They some of them thought I meant the fighting league MMA so i've learned to at first make it very clear that i'm talking about mergers and acquisitions instead of saying that long phrase you just shorten it to M&A a few weeks back i went through apple's recently filed 10k for fiscal year 2021 this is a document that companies file at the end of every fiscal year you could think of it as a more comprehensive version of the 10Q. If you're into analyzing companies, company finances, 10Ks make for a very interesting read. When I went through Apple's recently filed 10K, one number jumped out at me. It wasn't the record iPhone sales, strong margins, or phenomenal free cash flow. Instead, it was the lack of cash spent on m and In 2021, Apple spent just $33 million on business acquisitions. That's a record low for Apple with Tim Cook as CEO. It's a number that deserves further investigation, as Apple's M&A strategy and philosophy play a big role in how Apple was able to get to where it is today. But before we go any further, I did want to talk a little bit about where this number, $33 million, came from. We know it's from the 10K, but specifically, every quarter Apple reports the amount of cash spent on M&A in the cash flow statement via payments made in connection with business acquisitions. That line item is found within investing activities. In addition to those business acquisitions, which I think most people traditionally view as m and Apple also reports the amount of cash spent on acquiring intangible assets. A great example of this may be patents. So a large patent portfolio, there could be a pretty decent dollar figure attached to that. Apple reports that cash spent either two ways, and there has been some changes over the years, so I went with both ways. The first one, payment for acquisition of intangible assets, clear enough, and Apple most recently started using other. So it's a catch basin. I'm sure there are other things included within that, but for our discussion, just simply assuming that that includes intangible assets, I think that is good enough. I think that gets the point across. It is important to note these totals do not include or reflect payments tied with capital expenditures, property, plant, and equipment. That is a different topic. For a company as secretive as Apple, these line items are among the first things to check out when the company files 10Qs and 10Ks, because only a fraction of Apple's acquisitions are ever announced or known via press release or blog post. However, as the saying goes, cash flow doesn't lie. Whatever Apple spends on acquisitions will appear in the cash flow, for all to see and today's discussion and episode are byproducts of that disclosure. Earlier this week over at aboveallen.com I published an article Apple's extremely quiet year for M&A and I published two exhibits and we're going to talk about each of those exhibits. The first one is Apple M&A cash payments. So this took a look at how much did Apple actually spend on payments made in connection with business acquisitions and the intangible assets slash other. And when you go back to 2006, I just simply took 15 years. I think it did a pretty good job at summarizing the modern era of Apple. You will see that 2021 looks different. Apple only spent, again, $33 million on business acquisitions. That is a record low going back all the way to 2009. And it really wasn't close either. 2020, the company spent 1.5 billion dollars on payments made in connection with business acquisitions. 2019, roughly 600 million. 2018, 700 million. So 33 million does jump out at me. And then when you look at Apple payment for acquisition of intangible assets and other, there were some of that in 2021, it's about 600 million. But even that, 2020, it was 800 million. 2019, $1.1 billion. 2018, $700 million. So if you're taking a look at overall cash spent on M&A and intangibles, it's still a pretty low number for 2021. After I pulled all of this information, I reached a few totals, and I think they really explain a lot about Apple M&A. So since 2006, Apple has spent $20.6 billion on M&A, with about half of that tied to business acquisitions. $20.6 billion. We have some Apple peers spending more than that with one acquisition. But that was the total Apple has spent over 15 years. The median is a $1 billion per year. Another way of looking at this is via the number of deals per year. So how many companies did Apple buy per year? The major caveat here is that I am limited to the number of known acquisitions. So as I mentioned a few minutes ago, given Apple's secrecy, a number of acquisitions are never disclosed. But to be fair, these unknown acquisitions tend to be small and usually involve teams of talent. In 2021, Apple had two deals. Previous year, 2020, 11 deals. 2019, 7. 2018, 13. Seven eight nine for 2017, 2016, 2015, respectively, and 2014. 15 deals. One thing I did want to mention that I didn't if you look at Apple MA cash payments over the last 15 years, two years are going to jump out 2011 and 2014. And you're going to look at them, you're going to say, Why are the totals so high? 2011, Apple spent $3.5 billion on intangible assets. That was associated with Apple contributing that much to Nortel Patents, that transaction. And then in 2014, Apple spent $3.8 billion on business acquisitions. That was for Beats. So those are the two reasons that those two years in particular, 2011 and 2014, they really jump out. And if you look at Apple M&A by the number of deals, 2014 looks like a record. Fifteen deals. So something to keep in mind. This brings us to the next phase of the discussion. Why was 2021 such a quiet year for Apple M&A activity? For many, the pandemic will probably be positioned as a logical explanation or reason. With most teams working from home for a good portion of the year, maybe the environment just wasn't right for buying companies. The thing is, when you dive deeper into that explanation, a number of logic holes appear. During the pandemic, there was no overall decline in M&A activity in tech land. In fact, industry numbers point that there being more than a 50% increase in M&A activity when you're looking at deal count. And if you likely heard of the major deals, Square, Afterpay, Salesforce, Slack, these were deals announced in fiscal year 2021. The thing is, these deals represented a wave of deals, many of which, most of which are smaller. That always happens. My stance on this is that I think the pandemic was actually something that would foster mergers and acquisitions. And the reason being, you had mid and senior level executives see and experience shortcomings in their product portfolios from working from home. And at the same time, when you looked at all of these companies' balance sheets, so look at the giants, look at larger companies, their balance sheets are strong. Despite the pandemic, we had debt that was pretty easy to get, cheap. That's a good thing. Those are good factors for having larger companies look at the marketplace and see if there are potential targets that they could buy to strengthen their portfolios during all this upheaval, this turmoil. And so I don't buy the idea that will Apple slow down its MA because most of its teams were working from home. I, I don't think there's much there. When really diving deeper into this, as to what could a record low year, going back to 2019, for buying other companies. For for what could be behind that, my suspicion is that it reflects what's in Apple's product pipeline. For the better part of the past five years, Apple's mixed reality and augmented reality plans have been the catalyst behind approximately 20% of Apple's M&A deals. That percentage could be a little bit higher. I was just going off of what the companies Apple acquired, what were they really focused on at the time of acquisition? You could have a situation where Apple just hired a team and they're going to be reconfigured or, or refocused on something else. But let's just say 20 to 25% of Apple M&A deals were tied to mixed reality and AR. The thing is, Apple's entry into face wearables is right around the corner. It could be next year even. So close that the company likely has the main ingredients to get that version one, version two, maybe even the version three out the door without the need for additional mergers and acquisitions. So said another way, given where Apple's product pipeline is right now, with a major new product category coming, we know it's coming. It's just a matter of time. But that scheduling essentially removed a catalyst for what had been an M&A driver the past few years. I don't want to make too much of a comparison between, say, 2020 and 2021 and going back to Apple's 2006, right before the iPhone launched, just because the iPhone was such a different type of product, and that included how Apple developed the iPhone. But I think I have to point out how Apple did not spend anything business acquisitions or intangible assets in 2006. There were no deals. The next year, Apple unveiled the iPhone. What that tells me, and maybe the takeaway from all of that, is it's not necessarily true that right up prior to launching a big new product category, you're going to see a flood or a wave of deals. Instead, that's actually going to occur A few years before, and I think it's logical. You're going to buy smaller companies. You need time to assimilate those companies into your company. For Apple, a lot of that means teams of talent. We can't just hire a team of talent and have them produce a product two, three months later. It's probably going to be more like two to three years later. And so, just because M and A goes down, that doesn't necessarily mean that oh well, Apple must not have things that they're working on the product pipeline must be getting pretty bare or pretty empty. I actually think it's the opposite. I think a product pipeline that's filled may actually be more likely to lead to a decline in mergers and acquisitions. Another point that I want to mention, this was raised to me on Twitter yesterday by um, a reader. Their question was, does a decline in mergers and acquisitions actually signal that Apple may be working on a big deal? And again, I think that's a logical question to wonder, but I don't think the answer is yes. There is nothing about Apple's M&A process that in some way would prevent it from pursuing smaller deals just because it's working on a larger deal. Instead, Apple tends to move pretty quickly with its deals. Most of it, almost all of it, occurs internally. It's not that Apple is reaching out to investment banks, which how most deals are leaked, by the way, when they start going out to third parties and talking. And you can imagine when a deal doesn't go as expected, well, investment banks are very upset. And those deals do tend to leak to the press if you're wondering what's going on there. But Apple doesn't do that. And so in a way, I don't think there is such a thing as a bottleneck. Oh, Apple's working on such a big deal. Now it can't get these smaller teams of talent acquisitions through. I, I just don't think that's it. Instead, I think the most likely answer here has to do with the product pipeline. Another factor here is when you think of what's in that pipeline. So we have mixed reality, we have AR, you could call them face wearables. I think that's a proper way of summing that up. The other big thing is Project Titan. Apple is working on a self-driving car. And I don't want to make this into a Project Titan episode, but I think this is a self-driving car That will not be based on car ownership. I think car ownership is going to end up being a dated business model for most consumers. They're not going to buy their own cars, but they're going to participate in shared fleets. Well, the thing is with Project Titan, that's still a number of years away. So I don't think Titan is in some way leading to a rush in M&A. So take a look at what's going on here. You have Apple's face wearables. That's the near term, so close that I think Apple has most of the pieces already. Now it's just kind of putting it together and continuing the work, doing the refinement. Whereas Project Titan's too far away, and so it could be that Apple finds itself sort of in the middle, and that is why the number of deals has dwindled. We can't underestimate another factor here, though, behind Apple's quiet M and A year. Apple's doubling down on its long-held M&A philosophy. What Apple has been doing with mergers and acquisitions it has been working. And I think when we look at 2021, we look at the lack of deals, I think it ends up being a signal that Apple is comfortable with its M&A strategy. This isn't a company that says, we're in trouble. We need to rethink the way we approach business acquisitions. I know we have talked about Apple's mergers and acquisition strategy in the past, but I do think it's important to go over a few points in this episode as well. It's going to end up completing the discussion that we've been having. Apple does not use M&A to acquire revenue, users, or even products. That statement goes a long way in saying how Apple's M&A strategy is so different from Peer's. Most companies in the marketplace buying other companies—that's exactly what they're doing. They're seeking those deals because they're chasing revenue, users, or products. Instead, Apple uses M&A as a tool to acquire talent and technology. There's a very simple thought process behind this philosophy. Apple feels that the product development processes that it has in place within the company lead to the best products, capable of delivering premium experiences. That means management is not interested in circumventing these proven processes by acquiring established products that have already gone through another company's development process phase. Instead, Apple is looking to fill talent and technology holes that may become apparent during its own product development process. We can look at a few previous M&A deals as examples of this. We'll start off with the Beats acquisition in 2014. I don't think that was about Apple getting its hands on a wired headphones business. Instead, it was about getting music streaming assets and the people behind those assets. The Shazam acquisition in 2018 wasn't about acquiring a network of users, but rather about content recognition technology. That could come in handy for AR in mixed reality. Dark Sky wasn't about acquiring App Store revenue via a paid weather app, but rather about building the Dark Sky API focused on hyperlocal weather into the Apple Wearables platform. Bet it wasn't about acquiring a sleep-tracking accessory, but rather the complicated algorithms related to ballistocardiography, the method of detecting heartbeats and breathing rhythm from small movements like cardiac contraction force. The reason Apple's M&A strategy works so well for the company is that it keeps management focused on developing great products and not trying to quickly grow the user base or revenue. Those items, users and revenue, are byproducts of a successful product development process. Said another way, the way for Apple to succeed from a product and financial perspective is to bet on itself. And the process is that it has developed over the past two decades. Most companies in tech land use M&A in the complete opposite way. They are buying companies that either already have established users, established revenue, or established products. And they end up treating those acquisitions more as bolt-on transactions. So they are essentially just taking this new company that they just acquired and just kind of attaching it to the existing company. Apple doesn't do that. One final point that I think is crucial here. There is a connection between Apple's M&A philosophy and its capital return strategy. For years, Apple has been criticized by outsiders for using excess cash to buy back shares instead of buying other companies the suggestion that Apple should have bought Instagram, Disney, Spotify, Fitbit, Tesla, Peloton, Netflix, the list goes on, all miss a crucial point. They never consider how Apple thinks about the world. The way forward for Apple isn't to use m and to expand its product line with established products designed to stand on their own. Instead, it's to use m and to reinforce its product development processes by filling asset holes that will inevitably show up because Apple's always looking to enter new industries. That strategy is going to result in excess cash. And that excess cash is then given back to shareholders via cash dividends and also share buyback. So there's a connection there. It's not that Apple's necessarily looking at these two entities, capital return and M&A in vacuums. And I think when we have people saying Apple's making a mistake by not buying this company, not buying that company, Oh, why are they instead buying back shares, why are they essentially, in a way, buying themselves, Apple ends up betting on its existing product development process. That is ultimately what has gotten the company to where it is today. And management is confident in using M&A to reinforce that product development process. There will be evolution going forward. I think that's inevitable. But you're not going to see the type of transformation in which Apple looks at its product development process, says, this isn't going to work. Let's use M&A to completely redo it. I don't think there's going to be a need for that. And the reason is Apple's product development process, it's not designed to just come up with a product like the iPhone or an Apple Watch. That's not what it's about. It's bigger than any one product. Instead, Apple's product development process is essentially based on ideals. Technology needs to be harnessed to get the most out of it without having technology take over our lives. There are going to be inherent barriers between users and technology, and the way of getting over those barriers is design. Those beliefs i have guided Apple for the past 25 years. And they very likely are going to guide Apple for the next 25 years. Apple's M&A strategy is based on cementing those ideals into Apple's corporate culture. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you want more of this type of analysis and perspective throughout the week, check out Above Avalon Membership. The cornerstone of membership is access to my exclusive daily updates all about Apple. These updates are emails. They're sent out Monday through Thursday, and they revolve around Apple business and strategy analysis, my perspective and observations on current news and the latest developments regarding Apple competitors, my Apple financial estimates, and of course, full coverage of Apple earnings, product events, and keynotes. If it is of interest to Apple, it is something I pay attention to in the daily updates. For more information, just head on over to AboveAvalon.com. You can go to the Daily Updates page, scroll down, and you will see all of the story headlines going all the way back to 2015. That's going to give you a pretty good view of the types of topics discussed in the Daily Updates. To become a member, just head on over to AboveAvalon.com and go to the Membership page. It's either $20 per month or $200 per year. There are also ways of customizing your membership so you can attach the daily podcast add-on so you can receive all of the daily updates in audio form via an exclusive daily podcast called Above Avalon Daily. You can also bundle an Inside Orchard subscription with your Above Avalon membership. I haven't talked much about Inside Orchard on this podcast, but it is a second site that I started earlier this year. It's a home for my broader views on technology and society. You can check it out at InsideOrchard.com. Above Avalon members receive a pretty substantial discount when they bundle an Inside Orchard subscription with their Above Avalon membership. I am proud to say that Above Avalon is fully sustained by memberships. So if you're thinking about becoming an Above Avalon member, thank you in advance. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later.